0: So also, Christ did not know himself to be a high priest, but so was appointed by him who said to him, You are a son, you are my son, today I have forgotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a high priest forever after the order of Mustafa. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayer and supplications, loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through supper. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He designated by God high priest after the order of that All right, so we're going to approach the text. Kind of the overview of the text, and it's important and value to us in order to do so. We understand to hand a couple of things as we work our way through Hebrews. Chapters 1 through most 4. We've been looking at Jesus Christ as the Supreme One, haven't we? We've seen His supremacy over the prophets. We've seen His supremacy over the, the angels. We've seen His supremacy over Moses. chapter 1 3. We've seen the warnings in light of those things. Chapters 2 and part of chapter 3 and 4. In a very real way, in that section, what we've been seeing when we talk about the supremacy of Jesus Christ, there are some veiled statements throughout there that make it pretty clear that the supremacy issue talking about Jesus Christ as what do you think? I think a little bit. He's supreme. And Jesus Christ as what? Mm-hmm. Preeminent, yes, but more importantly, Jesus Christ as. Wait, let me help you. When he left, when he resurrected, and then walked on this earth, and then returned to the Father, what did he do? What? Glorified yes, what did he do when he got there? He sat down, sat down where? (laughs) In the right hand of the Father, right? When he sat down the right hand of the Father, the scriptures, even Hebrews described that he's sitting on a throne. So now with that in mind, In a very real way, chapter 1, in the middle of 4, we talk about Jesus Christ as king, right? In a very real way, we talk about the supremacy of Jesus. He's talking about his rulership, his authority, and his power, his kingship. At the end of chapter 4, he changes the theme, and he begins to talk about, and just in chapter 4, verses uh, 14 through 16 primarily, he introduces Jesus Christ, not as king or supreme being, but he introduces him as our what, high priest. And it's just, in 14 to 16, is just a declaration that yes, he's, he's king, chapter one through middle four, 413, 14 to 16 is just a declaration. Not only is he our great king, the supreme one, he is also our great high priest. It's not argued that, it's not proven that in 1416, chapter 4, but it is declared. In chapter 5, he begins to prove one. Because it begs the question, are there standards? When in 1416, the declaration is made, he is our high priest. But it begs the question, are there standards for high priests? Is anybody a high priest? The answer is no. Not anyone can be a high priest. There are standards. There are, if I use term, there are policies involved. and the person who's going to be high priest has to fit those, for lack of a better term, those policies, those rules, those standards. Does that make sense? So the writer of Hebrews does that as he moves into. Remember, he's writing right, like so a Jewish believer. He's moving into chapter 5 an argument that not only is he declared our high priest, our true and eternal high priest, but he matched up to it in every way. Although at first you'll think he doesn't. He does. So I want you to notice as we get into chapter 5, he's going to establish the standards, as it were. Not establishing the described, remind the reader of the standards, and he's going to show how Jesus Christ works. He starts out in chapter 1 of, of verse 5 in his explanation, by the way, before we actually get into chapter, chapter 5, verse 1, I want to remind you that what he's doing is kind of God. and that is, sometimes, he's worthy of your worship, he's worthy of your reverence, he's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your respect, Worthy of the money. And that's the point on this whole book. let Check 5 verse 1. For every high priest chosen among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God's offer of gifts yes, and sacrifice for sin. Now a lot of this is straightforward you look so don't Think about it. For every high priest he says chosen among men. In other words, that means it has to be two things. A man, and it must be appointed, yes, but it must be a human, right? must be male, must be human. Now that's obvious, right? But he still lays it out there. He's appointed, he's chosen among men. Now, the author wants you to think about Jesus in light of these descriptions. He became with God, right? He was. He became man. He became human. He took on the form of man. He took on actual male characteristics, became male. Human. For every high priest chosen among men is appointed on behalf of men in relation to God. which is going back to the first part of the he, he said he is chosen. We're going to out a little bit later. Keep that thought chosen. It can show up in verse five because in verse one it says he's chosen and appointed, which are kind of corollaries. In verse the, 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 the appointed is more specific, specified, but verse five brings it up again. He's appointed, referencing to Christ himself. Now, in verse 1, going back to verse 1, it says, He is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices uh, for sins. The role of the high priest is very specific. He's to offer, <laughs> he's to represent, right? to so represent men, right? And that men include humans, not just males. <clears throat> That that, that second, that that idea there is is that he he is representing humans who are what? In the Old Testament picture, who are in the Covenant, correct? He's representing humans who are in the Covenant, is the idea. And how does he represent them? How does he act on behalf of them? First of all, he's appointed to act on behalf of these people in relation to God, now if you think that in the Old Testament, the Old Testament people could not come before God, could they? They could not. If they came to the temple, they, they could go into certain places of the temple, could they? But there's one really important place they couldn't go into. Where was that place? The Holy of Holies. They could not go into the Holy of Holies. So the high priest once a year would do what? Would go into the Holy of Holies for the people and do what? Represent the people and pray and cry out to God to show mercy on the people, on the public wow. people. That was the role of the high priest. He was appointed for that task. There's a lot of other tasks he didn't do, do He was involved in all the sacrifices all year long. He didn't exist for one day of the year to go into the Holy of Holies. So he was sacrificing for the people all the time. And then he would along with the rest of the priests, and then he would go once a year into the holy the holies and represent the people. So he'd go on in in, in in behalf of the people, the covenantal people, in relationship to God, in relation to God, a representative of the people to offer gifts and sacrifices, as the high so that God in the Old Testament. So that God would be, what? A satisfied Right? Now, we know that in the Old Testament, I don't want to get too far into according to Scripture, in the Old Testament, what the priest did, the high priest did, in fact, is he was using all these gifts to sacrifice to what? Cover sin, right? The sins were still there, weren't they? They were being covered by the activity of the... Of the high priest, in, in, in partnership with the rest of the priest, all sacrifices to cover the sins so that the wrath of God would not be in display on the people, as covering looking forward to something else, that would get done, as we know. It. The one who would take all those sins and pull them out of the cover them, and remove them right. But the high priest would go before God to do what? He asked people to cry out to the Father, to cry out to God, to not take such a trap, to take such a trap, because of the high priest's work on behalf of God's time, that would take place. Those are the standards. Now, we we'll go on to verse 2. There's more standards. In Ephesians, he says in verse 2, this high priest and the wayward. By the weaknesses as well, with the exact same weaknesses as everyone else. So, because he is, he is not one who looks down on them, all the rest, because he's just like them. At, at this point, verse 2, we're going to say, wait a second, back up the horses. We know that Jesus became man, right? Can't do it a man, right? The humble himself, looking at chapter two. But when we get to verse 2, he can feel gently and with an ignorant wayward, says he himself is be set weakness. if not careful to say, wait, that's not Jesus. Because he was not wayward, was he? And he was not ignorant, was he? That's the definition. Of, or the description of this weakness that the high priest has. Now we have a problem, don't we? Because the author of Hebrews is trying to argue that Jesus is is the perfect high priest and the final high priest, the eternal high priest. But we have a problem. Jesus did not, he said the be I can't remember. So, jump over if you would to verse eight. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of the salvation of all the day. we stop there. Notice what he says here in verse 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what? What he suffered, right? What he suffered. And I just submit to you earlier? We saw that the idea is that because he was tempted, he's able to understand, right? And he understands very clearly your struggles and your weaknesses, right? I would argue what he adds to the package here is son. It's not just that he understands because he suffered for you. Or I'm sorry, that that that's tempted you are. That's big. He's tempted just like you. You face nothing unique. Whatever path of temptation you walk through today, Jesus has already walked it. He's facing on steroids. If a scale of one to ten in your temptation today, he was at a hundred. Just to give you an idea. That's very really Here, however, he adds in not just temptation, he adds in what? Suffering. So he says, not only was there temptation, in the wilderness we talked before, that probably kept all the rest of the temptation that he experienced throughout his life, but he says here something rather different for 8. Although he was a son he learned obedience through what he suffered. What he's talking about, he's talking about what began in the Garden of Gethsemane, all the way through his crucifixion, all the way through his death. Most importantly, what took place when something dramatic took place. See, his greatest suffering was not his obedience. His greatest suffering was not having a crown of thorns around his head. His greatest suffering was not. Having his clothes, watching his clothes being taken off being exposed and his clothes being given away. His greatest suffering was not the mocking that he, that he experienced. His greatest suffering was not the spitting upon him, all the rest took place. His greatest suffering was not big spikes being driven through his feet and breasts. His greatest suffering became His greatest suffering was that he could understand. His greatest suffering was interesting on my side because all of us were the same in that time. He bore all of them us in every way. You see, when we turn back over to chapter 5, Verse 2, he says, He can deal gently with anger and wayward, since he himself is weakness. You say, hey, These are standards of a high priest. He's got to be a man, he's got to be approved, he's got to be set in weakness. Jesus experiences deaths in the way of life. He lived in the depths of What's the greatest weakness that one can have? I would submit to you the greatest weakness one can have to being separate from the one that's strong. The greatest weakness anybody can have to being separated from the one who's absolutely strong. Our temptation on God, because sin is weak, is one who is absolutely strong. Remember, the argument of the writer Hebrews is that Jesus Christ, Word be called great. Yes. Verse 3. Because of this, he's obligated to offer sacrifice for his sins, just as he does for those of the people. Now, again, this is uh, only partially true of Jesus Christ. I he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just because of those the people. Because Jesus was perfect on man, he did not sin. But rather than offering sacrifices to the people, he was. He became sacrifice. <laughs> he humbled himself to God and added the perfect sacrifice. Verse 4, no one takes his honor for himself, but only when called by God to Sharon once. Now he holds Christ clearly in the picture of verse 5. Verse 4, no one takes his honor for himself. Get that. It is given to him. We saw that in verse 1. So, verse 5, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed was appointed by him who said to him, in verse, five, uh, in verse 5, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And I will present to you, although there's all sorts of you nuanced know, meanings of the praise in verse 5, Today you are my son, today I have begotten you. Primary, front and center, in context is this. Today you are my son, today I have begotten you, referring to becoming man. And all sorts of other things you can say that here. kind of unclear to here that became human, became man. So God declares that he matches some of the qualifications, right? Verse 6, he says, as he also, he also said, as he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek." Or now, I'm not again I'll leave the here. In Psalms, he says both of these things. Peter Passage Psalms, he said both of these things. He declares Jesus Christ, and the Father declares Jesus Christ. You are a priest forever after the order of Mephiboshedek. Now, Melchizedek describes the gentile as a high priest. And he, so, in effect, when he says after the order of Melchizedek, he describes him as not just a regular priest, but as a high priest. Now, it's interesting again, just. Without a vote, point, we're going to take into the weeds here. When he says, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, and then in verse 10, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, it's important to understand what he's doing is he's drawing a contrast to the you know, beginning of verse 5, when he says, uh, I'm sorry, verse, at the end of verse 4, when he says, And no one takes the honor for himself, but only when called by God just as. Aaron was called the high priest, right? In verse 6, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And what he's basically saying is, there is a contrast between the high priesthood of Aaron and the priesthood of, the high priesthood of Melchizedek. Now, if you read the passage in Hebrew, you know that there's something really odd about Melchizedek. What's odd about Melchizedek is no description of his beginning or end. It's kind of weird. I don't want to get into the weekly part. It's weird. What we basically is basically argued by God is that the order of Melchizedek is radically different from the order of Aaron. Aaron was born, he lived, and he died. Every high priest that came from Aaron was born and lived and died, which means that. Aaron's priesthood is a eternal or what? Temporal priesthood. What do you think? It's a temporal priesthood. Jesus Christ must not be identified primarily to Aaron's high priestliness, high priesthood, or his line of being a high priest. Quite the contrary, what God does here is says He, Jesus, is a high priest is not a high priest in Ephenarchal, but Ephenarchal, the high priest, in the line or after the line of Melchizedek. That's important, the way he's described here. You are a priest forever, and, and then verse 10, being designated by God, a high priest after the Lord of Melchizedek. In other places, he'll describe as the high priest the focus is on the eternality of the high priest position he takes. The everlasting nature of the high priest, it will have no end. Unlike all the rest of the high priests who came out of Aaron, Jesus Christ, high priesthood position, is one that goes forever. He will forever be providing what is needed in fulfilling the role of the high priest. That is your high priest. The argument of Hebrews chapter 5, the argument of the writer of Hebrews is this. He fits perfectly into your and my high priest. We can go to him with confidence. Why? Why? Because he's faithful that he's always going to be there always fulfill his, his promises. His, his high priestly Duties and roles, he will always fulfill them. To who? To those who are his covenant people. For one. But those who are the covenant people, he will always be faithful. And his, because he's under the role of, 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 the high priest in the line of Melchizedek, and because he also he the act of the equation, it's not the equation, it's also the, the perfect sacrifice, Appropriate like that. He is a great night priest. The ramification of the third reminder. Without Jesus Christ being a great night priest, what is our hope of going into the quote? By the way, that, that's why the veil was torn Christ died. Did you do realize that? It is on one hand so we can enter into the holy of right? On the one hand, it absolutely is. But it also is very clear evidence that the line of Aaron is what? What? It's temporally completed, right? It was temporally completed. And everything is shifting and changing because there's a new high priest in town, so to speak. And the new high priest did what? He did something that Aaron and his descendants could never do. The new high priest, the eternal high priest, The new permanent, eternal high priest the away. The ramification of this dramatically it the reaches every everything was changed because of the sacrifice. goes on in verse 7 it says in the days of his flesh Jesus offered up prayers and supplications without pride and tears that he was able to save his death and the purpose of his reverence this is another description of one of the tasks of a high priest <coughs> a high priest had the responsibility to offer up prayers and supplications, and they were with loud cries and tears. him who was able to save him and the people? What is interesting? It goes on, and says, "Who was able to save him from death?" But then we find something radically different, because every High priest, the line of Aaron, including Aaron, experienced what? Death. Right? Then that was permanent, wasn't it? But this high priest, after the line of his after the order of his one whose father said, you are my son, may I be God. Something was different about him. Father looked on him and he heard because of covering for that angel. Mean? It means this that when Jesus died, he didn't die, He had to He had He had die. to Because he's not in the line of marriage. But the line of the order. Because of the order of his death, he was hurt. So three days later, what happened? Three days later, this high priest, your high priest, my high priest, something happened to him that didn't happen to any other high priest. This high priest broke the bed, this high priest walked on the this high praise offered a different sacrifice, a sacrifice that did not cover sin. It, it's in way. And he was heard Verse eight. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. He grew. The scriptures tell about how he grew in knowledge. He learned obedience through what he suffered. He goes on and says in verse 9, And being made perfect became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Now, it's really important we put this verse, verse 9, in context. Because if we don't, we get really skewed theology. Because at first reading, it sounds like, <clears throat> well, he wasn't perfect originally. Is that what it sounds like? Isn't it? sounds like he wasn't perfect originally. <laughs> But he's made perfect, through what? Well, in context, through he suffering, he's made perfect, and as a result of being made perfect, even though it wasn't perfect originally, he can't sort through what he terms out all the And after am all to him And that's not what the text Remember what he's arguing with. He's arguing that he's what? A high priest, according to the order of and he's a, a good high priest. He's, he's a perfect high priest. That's the argument here. When he says, verse 9, and being made perfect, he's talking about being made perfect high priest. He's, he's been made the perfect high priest. All these events, all these things that he went through, including the suffering, the temptation, and all the rest, he had become the perfect high priest. If he had gone through the temptation, and if he hadn't gone through the suffering, and he had become man, human, he could not be someone who understands and sympathizes with our He could not be one who, as described in verse 2, can deal gently with of the Can I just say this real quick? I hope that it brings you high praise that heals. Definitely with an Because you know what? Your anger is wayward. Don't lie. That's who we are. And if God can't understand. And healed gently with ignorant and wayward, what's going to happen to you? Who would be after destroyed, probably before he became unburdened. Do you realize that? Certainly, further after. And that's how kind of to make a theological distinction. The point of the matter is, if he can't heal gently, it would be, it would be, with the ignorant and the wayward, we have a very high priest. Of what does that mean? does that mean? Are you ready for this? I love this. Here's a question: we talked about Black Friday. That's just a picture. How quickly we get our house going. Right? How quickly you are to do? How quickly we are to see? that happened to you? Maybe it's not Black Friday. Maybe you go shopping Black Friday. But like, you ever find yourself quickly, Do, you, do? You, find yourself after, like, you? you ever find yourself looking back and saying, what am I Have You ever find yourself looking back and saying, what was so attractive about that? What was so beautiful about that? What was so What did I think would be so fulfilling about that and satisfying? You ever been there? Did you say you haven't? My goodness, I didn't see you. That's where we live, isn't it? That's exactly where you and I live. All the time. And yet, yeah, you know what? You we know want to i up this morning the that out of place. We woke up and we opened our eyes and we see. And we our am very happy to we all of us today probably repeatedly only sins and thoughts of getting up. Okay. How about you I I I I I to house late to I I I I had trouble like a wild man to get here. It was bad. I mean, it wasn't like Steelers 50 on 255, it wasn't like Steelers 45 on 275. I'm not sure I can argue that that glorifies God. You think? I'm not sure that does. I don't think It's not like my wife was the pastor and she's bleeding out. Right? I just was irresponsible and not ready to leave And I compounded my irresponsibility early on by driving like a wild and trying to get up with it. Why? So I didn't have to get your saying, no, oh really sorry. are that about Yeah. Yes. I don't like you, I don't like that stomach. I find that breath And this is a little stupid little sin, isn't it? That's not something. On a scale of one to ten, sin-wise, which we can't do, right? (laughs) On a scale of one to ten, we can't do that, but let's just play the game for a second. On a scale of one to 10 let let's give you one or two, right? Maybe, maybe, uh, Going shopping on Black Friday and not paying for it. Oh, it's right? <laughs> <he> <laughs> <Did you? laughs> <laughs> a little higher sin, right? Not that they did that. But you get my point. It's a little sinner, or a big sin, from the other perspective. You know, but have still to gracious all us <laughs> It's not so important. But he still watched out to us and and, and worked in us for our good and His just not That's a high place. That's a high place. He understands. You know what I understand? Almost 2,000 years ago. He you took your seat. How the tree, they were they were acting, they were struggles and conclusions. that were and he remains a perfect of priest the I want you to notice, he says in verse 9, that he made perfect, became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, it's important to to get in context. But long before he ever introduced this idea of obedience, he introduced here, and introduced in chapter 4 as well, the emphasis was not on obedience, was it, for obeying. The primary emphasis in up at this point is on what? Believing. Correct? Believing. Faith. Believing in Christ. Here, he says, he is the salvation, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who OBEY HIM! Well, how do we put those two together? We talked about before, but I want to remind you that obeying flows out of true believing. It doesn't mean that we obey so much that we need we don't need a higher priest or another. We're still what? Yeah, and more specifically in closer to the context, whatever we we're still, we're and, and wait, We still are. We still are. Yet we seek to obey, right? Being ignorant and wayward people. Being driven by our belief in Christ our great people. Christ was great countries. I'll submit to you in the very one of the greatest ways we are classified as obeying ones, these that term, obeying ones, is not because we follow the laws of God. It's because we, we believe in and we remember Christ, our priest, our high priest, Christ, our great king. Our king, we find ourselves submitting to, because we believe in him, submitting to him, as our high priest, we turn to him for the salvation on an even brain, right? What's that It's something Sometimes in the word, repentance, isn't it? If I, if I find myself before in rebellion against the king and now believing the king, I am therefore serving and I'm not repentant of who I was. is that the very definition of repentance? If I was <clears throat> trying to save myself, which is what all people are doing all across our world, all, all times, and I recognize Christ my High Priest, and I turn to Him, am I not saved? Absolutely. What happens with our sin? What there It's not to us. It's not on our account, is it? Right. so What? Since it's not an accounting not a ledger, right? So, by definition, if I am a repentant one and it's erased from the ledger, so to speak, or absolved from it, am I not, by definition, then an obedient one? If disobedience is erased, I'm like, what? Obedient. Because that's what it means. That's not right. Now, do right, you recognize we all the time to
1: it's not so much a demand that we must obey
0: and obey perfectly. We don't need a high priest. Right? Don't need a high priest. be perfect. Jesus didn't need a high priest. He's perfect. You do. You're a i not even in the way But if we believe in him, we will obey him, even though, and I may quote Tom again, but I've quoted so many times before, Tom, I don't know I'm not unique with you, or original with you. even the best of my days. even the best of my activities. My, my activity is laziness. Isn't it? all means My best obedience is lay to sin. I'm definitely going to be gracious to be my place. I need all of that. Forever. Praise the Lord. And our Jesus, our Jesus, our sovereign Desert of the first hand. By God, the Father, the priest. after the order. Are my are my are my is your high priest. The whole so point of the text complicated, as it's this if you're not Jewish believers, so we're not really heavily connected to the idea of like high priest. We're show you what high priest does. We need a perfect who has contended every way you have, and who has suffered to the point of being demonstrably deeper, not merely. Eternally. Not order nothing. You can take to the bank. He's your high priest today. He's your high priest this morning at 10, 15 in the morning. He'll be your high priest at noon. He'll be your high priest this afternoon if you're going shopping and you're going to struggle with coming again or whatever the case may be. For you. Tomorrow, this time, this high priest has promised that his love is good and never cease. This high priest has said his sacrifice. His sacrifice will be for God. His sacrifice is of What the then shall we sin? Paul says, the great day of God forbid that it never be Why? because if we look at Christ, our great God, the greatest, our, great, our great King, The writer of Peter, Look at Jesus and our friend. Look at Jesus as our great high priest and vassal, sinner, remember, no, and remember, yes, you know prophet, no. him as this. these two. No, and I'm going it as well. Learn of him, know him, Believe we be so that we will be like all. Oh. And we will say, the oh, bless you, man. To you. Thank you. God, you. Our great name, our great you Does that sense. He knows. He understands. He cares. He sympathizes. Does the happen? It promises to you because the you, you. 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 you can work So, what I think about us is some of the challenging fact because we're not Jewish people. We don't, in our history, go to the temple and tap the parties. It's kind of hard to breathe. And, next we are, uh, and, and the next that we are are people. we promise and the beauty that, that we are in the people we are people. We are people who are We are fail in our patients. In the of the church Understanding, Understand. we Understand. you are able to be raised the We need to be. Right. <laughs> yeah. that I can Yeah, we